Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Ben's Town TV, the podcast that covers your favorite binge worthy TV shows. This is Jim and I'm here with Luke and Brian. And today we're continuing our coverage of The Last Kingdom season five. Previously, we covered the pilot seasons one, two, three and four and interviewed Alexander Viam, who played Kiart in the Cruel in seasons one and two. You can find all of our prior episodes on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on now, or you can check out BingetownTV.com. Today, we cover Season 5, Episodes 7 and 8. If you want to follow along with the rest of the season's coverage, please hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the episodes. So, this is it, guys. This is our last chance to give our theories penultimate, kind of, for us, because we're going to cover 9 and 10 next episode. This was just the calm before the storm, baby. Like we are putting all the chess pieces where they need to be. And it ended with some of the most epic TV I've ever seen. That last scene we got leading into these final two, Mm -hmm. I was ready to run through a wall. Um, It's just like such a good culmination of this entire series. And these two episodes, like the last two were so chaotic that these two needed to be a little bit of a breather. Yeah. Get us right. Set us up for Bebenberg and all of that. And, clear off some of the characters that were done with Brita and, and yeah. just like get ready for the final fight. And I, I thought these were fantastically done as always. And it, it was just nice not having any of our characters die since the last time we talked. Yeah. None of our homies died, even though spoiler alert, I was a little worried for Finn when he, when he talked back to the King in, yeah. in episode eight. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, some props are due here. Dave, our boy is not here, but he should deserve some props because he said that, Steora would kill Brita. Mm-hmm. Give him those mm-hmm. props. And Luke deserves some props because you said you were very, very nervous. And it just seemed like Steora was turning into Brita. Mm-hmm. And even Uhtred says it coming out of his mouth that Steora is turning into Brita. So you two, good job, homies. Yep, yep. B-Towns, what'd you think? Yeah, it was definitely good to get some closure on Brita with two episodes left. I don't think any of us wanted her to hang around till the end. So I'm glad they wrapped up that storyline. And like you said, Luke, the stars are aligning. The people are going where they need to be. And destiny is bringing us back to Bebenberg of all places. I'm, I'm really amped for these next two episodes. Um, and these were two really entertaining kind of transition episodes to the end game of the season. So um, I'm ready to get into the conversation. OK, uh, we can start us off in episode seven with the first bucket of plot that we're going to go through. And this is going to be quick hitters here. Only a couple scenes that we have to talk about. This is the Aleswith, Edith and Elfwin couple of scenes that we get. And this is just all set up to eventually get Elfwin into a position where she's on right. her way to Bebenberg under Ethel Helm's control. But this is the whole, um, I guess, completion of the arc for Bressel as well, because he does catch Elfwin in one of the most obvious traps ever. Like, Jesus, yeah, man, yeah. I was like, are you fucking kidding me here? And then Edith comes in, tries to save the day, but then it ends up they get they get taken away by Ethel Helm's goons here. And then we all know what happens is is that that scene on the road where Elswith has the fucking the wrath. She kill. slays. <laughs> She slays them. She's yeah. like, Get, run away before I slay you, too. <laughs> and I was dying, actually, because, you know, when do you ever get anything that can make you laugh from Aleswith, even though she did in the next episode have a funny line as well. And, you know, she's <laughs> stabbing the guy, blood all over Edith's face, exploding all over her face, pretty yep. much. And then, you know, she's like, I felt like whatever, like Mike, say, what is it? Saint Michael 
Yeah, you know, I don't even know what the hell she Saint said. Saint Michael what? casting the armies of the dead or of darkness. <laughs> yeah, something or about of Archangel. The devil. Yeah. I heard Archangel in there, but I was just dying laughing. Her first kill, and then she turns around holding it like this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and the I kid, always like, loved was... Elswith. You've always loved her, man. I know <laughs> since you the beginning. Her. This I might wanted... have been the best two episode stretch yes. for Aleswith in the entire yep. series. And, and that's why I'm pissed that Dave's not on this one. <laughs> Because he hates her the most. But yeah, it, it was funny. And I was actually going to be like, what the heck? When the kid runs away, because I was like, really? You're scared of Aleswith? And then he actually takes Aleswith, mm-hmm. which was good. That's I'm shocked. The, like you said. That they decided to make Bressel die because it would have perfectly made more sense to me just to have the kid be the one it. get killed. And yeah. then Bressel takes Aleswith to Bebenberg and continues. But that was just another shocker that this show is famous for doing for specific characters and Bressel, I'm happy nothing good ever happened for him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said, Luke, that was the culmination of the entire arc for Edith Aleswith and Al Flynn for now. And I guess we can move on from them until yeah, I mean, we later. always knew Alfwyn was going that way. Like if she was going to stick around and be a character and not be the heir to Mercia, this was like her only part left in the show. So yep. and I, I was a little nervous for Edith. More more in the city when she starts trying to defend before they get taken onto the road. I was a little bit nervous, but <laughs> thankfully she gets out unscathed because she's just a, a beast. But yeah. yeah, that was a pretty quick bucket. Um, next, we're going to jump on to the second part of the Alfwin pa- plan coming from the Kingdom of Scotia side. And this is everything that happens in King Constantine's palace, mm-hmm. including all of the stuff with Wickgar because he's there. And he's gaining more knowledge and like and watching Ethel Helm and forming a, a super negative opinion of him and then vice versa, because Ethel Helm starts shitting on Wickar to his face. So like they kind of hate each other. But basically, Ethel Helm shows up and presents his plan to King Constantine, who at first is very standoffish, as he should be, because this dude's coming with no gift, no gift. Yeah. So no he, info either. Exactly. Pretty much at, at first. Gives him like, nothing. Gives him yeah. nothing. He was the messenger with absolutely no information. And then when Constantine's like, if you're a messenger with no information, you know what I'm going to do to you? Like, what do mm-hmm. you got for me? And he says, well, here's this deal. And as it turns out, he has a very appealing deal for Lord Con- or King Constantine. Um, and what does Constantine say? You know, you piqued my interest and that's that's something worth recognition. You know, that's a hard thing to do. So what is the entirety of the deal? It's marrying him in to kind of a partner or an alliance with Mercia, giving him the Mercian lands through Aelfwyn. Yep. Yep. Um, Ethel Helm the- gets his part of the bargain is that he gets to put his grandson as a proxy on the on, on the throne of Wex, uh, Wessex. Yes. And yes. pretty much. Yeah. Ethel Helm pretty much said, like, once he's on the throne, we just care about Winchester Wessex. Yeah. You can do your own thing with Mercia. So, yeah, it spreads out Constantine's reign and he has that tie to Mercia. But um, I like Constantine's actor a lot. I mm-hmm. thought he was great in this episode. His interactions with Ethelhelm were really, really good. Yeah, he's a good leader to add to this world. Then it just makes complete sense, giving that extra threat. I still am way more worried about Wickar and because he, he seems like he's unhinged and he can do anything at any point. And Constantine does seem a little bit more level-headed. He's just taking he's just taking the opportune time that Ethelhelm's putting at his feet about all this chaos going on for Edward. So mm-hmm. he just seems way more rational. 
and you know like an evil alfred i don't i don't want to give him that much respect but you know he's way yeah. more like alfred than he would be like wickar who's going to be just crazy i wouldn't say he's unhinged he you know wickar seems to have a plan and is calculated i think he's just a lot more likely than other characters to make you know very very bold moves that's true um and i told this to luke before jimmy came on but i i'm starting to think that Whitgar might be the one that gets the inevitable ethelhelm kill because you know ethelhelm's gotta die i think they're Whitgar might it. be the one to take him out yeah i like that they're building it i'm actually surprised i get it ethelhelm as soon as he gets constantine's favor he is just doing what he does he just loves being the big dog or having so much favor with whether it's the king king edward Alfred at the time when the daughter was betrothed, whatever it is. Now he has the favor of Constantine and he just starts talking down to Wickar. And I'm like, dude, you just luckily by the skinnier teeth survived. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, just the whole thing with Edward. You're lucky that that Constantine took this deal. And now you're starting shit with Wickar. You don't even know who this guy is. He could tear you up. <laughs> and I was laughing out loud at this part, too, because when Ethelhelm finds out that Wickar's of Bevenberg, he's like, yeah. you're the one that has been fucking with Uhtred. He just like yep. belly laughs, looks him in the eye and just turns around and walks out. And this yep. is after finding out that the last part of the deal that he makes with King Constantine is that he's going to Ethelhelm is going to be sent to Bevenberg until the next part, phase of the plans complete. So it's like. You're going to be surrounded by this dude in his home with all of his badass warriors from across the world. And you're just shitting on him to his face. And, you know, he's crazy. Like, I don't know. Ethelhelm's crazy. He continues to do it throughout the episodes, too, yeah. while he's in Bevenberg. It, it is very unexpected. I wasn't really expecting that from Ethelhelm at all. He doesn't take him seriously, nor does he think him a threat. And that could be his undoing in the end. Um, I agree. Because I, I think in the grand scheme of the show, Wittgar is more endgame than Ethelhelm. Oh, yeah, I agree. Do you think that there's a chance that Wittgar makes it out of this season? Or is that off the table? Like, is Bebenberg going to be under Uhtred by the end? Because if he is, I, I have so. no I idea what the movie's going to be about. One thing, and Luke, I propose this to you, is that I, I, I'm not sure if the movie is going to take place in the same timeline. Like they could skip ahead 30 years and have like a grown up Stiora. Whitgar is relatively young. He could be like grown up in his 50s. And then Uhtred could be finally maybe aged out of being able to do things like he would be 180. But in the <laughs> show, he would only be like 95. So still yeah. too old. Um so if they do that, then I, I don't know what to expect in the movie. And Whitgar could survive this season is, is what I'm trying to say and make it into the movie if they want him to be a major player in that. I'm, I'm just not sure. Mm -hmm. I just feel like the, the movie would be named something different if it was only the end game of the movie to be Bebenberg. I just feel like the, the show's end game is going to be Bebenberg. And then, I mean, I've I've heard news that they're saying that the movie can stand alone almost. OK, and not necessarily like I mean, they even they kind of did say like you can watch the entire show or not and still watch the movie. So I don't know exactly what that means. I, I would still assume Uhtred's in it. We saw him Alexander Draymond filming and everything. But I just think that the show is going to end full circle with Bevenberg and then they're going to do their own thing with the movie. And it's probably based on the fact that I heard that it's going to be standalone. I'd be fine with that. I think that yeah. sounds right. And also, though, just to add a feather to the cap of B. Tom's theory, it is possible that the Uhtred scenes are flashbacks. But yeah, 100 mm percent. -hmm. But I don't I don't want that, though. Like, I just want I feel like he's he is so iconic at this point. Well, Uhtred, they like, 
they could like like i said finally age him up to give him like full-on gray hair make him like bedridden so he can only be like an advisor and he's just like old decrepit in his chair but still this awesome old could be raven full of yeah that's what i was trying to say yeah exactly <laughs> he could be raven that's not too bad so yeah th- this is just us speculating about what the movie is going to yeah. be but to bring us back to scotland what else is there to say i mean elf's weird arrives after his blow up with edward um well, he's on the way to bevenberg and that doesn't so he he does leave this episode from york to get to basically meet up with ethelhelm wickar and alfwin eventually right right but right gotcha. now yeah there's there's nothing more to add for this piece for episode seven mm-hmm. so if we're ready we could jump right into the the, the main part of this episode being in york because we get a lot of interactions here yeah let's do it so this is a continuance of um, remembering Sig Trigger and Stewart's like leading this whole, you know, funeral like ceremony. It's pretty cool. Like I, I didn't even know what was going on with them breaking down his sword. That was just yeah. kind of cool because that, that felt a little bit like um, who was it when when in Game of Thrones, whose sword did they break down to two Valyrian seals to give ice? They took uh, yeah, Ned's. Ned's Ned's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they, you know, they broke down his sword. They buried him with it. That's the first time we've seen a Viking funeral like that, right? This, in this yeah, because series? didn't they put him in a boat and then bury the entire boat in a mound of yeah. dirt? Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking because she's like on the boat and then she's saying like sail and Valhalla and all this stuff. And I'm like, so are they like going to do the thing from Game of Thrones in the two or the two rivers, <laughs> the Riverlands <laughs> where where they put him on the boat and then like light it on fire with the arrow or something so like that's cool. what I was when expecting. Ed, Ed, but... uh... Totally. Yeah. The, or yeah. Blackfish. Totally. Blackfish yeah, yeah. destroys it. Yeah, that was a really freaking cool scene. Yeah. The bad yeah, uncle like misses like three times, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. misses. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Um, but anyway, that happens in the beginning. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take any remembrance for Sig Trigger. He's the best Dane of all time. So <laughs> past that, though, we see the Stewart is still dealing with this in a terrible way, and she's going down the breeder route. That's starting to build more and more. And Edward sees that, too, and he mm-hmm. starts getting to thinking, OK, well, if she doesn't swear allegiance to me, how am I supposed to know? It doesn't just end up being Breida 2.0, which is when he has the presence of mind to discuss it with Uhtred, who is obviously arguing on behalf of Stewart, and they come to the conclusion that you know, Stuara could be a reasonable leader for the Danes up in Northumbria, hold it down in Everwich under the condition that Edward would still be the overlord. So essentially, Stuara could continue being what Sig Trigger was and lead the Danes just under Edward, which, yeah. you know, this this is a bad look for Stuara when she ends up declining this proposal. I thought it was a slam dunk, you know, and yep. she even kind of agreed in the private conversation between her and Uhtred. She seemed like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. And yep. then when it's finally brought to court in front of Edward, she it's an affront when she declines. Edward looks oh, yeah. up at Uhtred and says, I thought she was already agreed. Like, what the hell, bro? Um and Stuart is just putting Uhtred in a really bad position after sticking her neck at, or his neck out for her. And I, I think it's just going down that burrito road. And it's really upsetting for a character I once had a lot of respect for in uh, Stuart. It was another case of Edward being so smart, like and politically savvy, because I agree with you, B-Toms. It was the perfect response from him. And it should have been it should have been an absolute win all around. Should have been a win yeah. for Uhtred for brokering. 
a win for Siora because she finds some sort of peace and stability, and then a win for Edward because he's completing Alfred's part of that dream. Like it was just so such an easy just layup. Just fucking say yes, Siora. Yeah, and let's not forget our boy Aldhelm. He was the one who came to Edward at first and said, "Like, there's a lot of unrest here. There needs to be something done." And I, I think it is mm-hmm. Edward that makes the plan, right? It's just Aldhelm that tells him because Edward wants to leave. He's like, "I'm out, man. I need to get back." Because he's thinking at this point still that Ethelhelm could be going for Winchester. He's like, "I got to get out of here." Right. So Aldhelm is like, "I don't know. That's the right idea, man. This is very like tense here, but." You're absolutely right, man. She totally embarrassed or caused a lot of problems with Edward and Uhtred. And I loved how when she starts talking and she starts like running it back and saying like she's not going to kneel and stuff, he grabs onto the chair and he starts squeezing it. Yeah. He's getting pissed. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> Dude, I wrote in my notes like when the initial plan from Edward and that out home conversation happens. And they say, like, Uche, we're going to make her Steor the leader. I wrote, I just like, if, I swear if she denies this, she's just a bottom tier character. And <laughs> if she just, she hit that bottom tier and just floored it. Keep going down and down and down as these two yeah. episodes happened. I was just so disappointed in her because I remember just gassing her up in season four as like such a good addition to the cast and me loving her. But now she is just Brita. I think she'll turn back. I think she'll be fine. I don't think she's. they're going to pull a breed it twice, a full breed it twice. Like she obviously is going breed it now, but I think she'll turn back. But yeah. um, she dipped. And then did she do this a little bit? She give a little peek for you when she killed Brita or are you just like, I don't right, know, whatever. man. Like I still because that is betrayal. To I Uhtred prioritize Uhtred's emotions over anything. And when he's yeah. sad like that, even though I want it, Brita dead like that, I still just felt it was the wrong way. I feel. Should we talk about that yet or should we wait? No, uh, we'll get Okay, let's wait because I have something I wanted to ask you guys, but we'll wait. All right. So to clean up a couple of other things happening in the background as these main conversations about Stuart are happening is Pure League shows up and he's alive. So I was totally wrong about this. But I did think I was still going to be right because I thought he was going to deliver the news then die in bed. And I would have been. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I thought that was going to be the thing. I didn't think he was going to make it. Yeah, but, you know, he's too much of a warrior and he's he's a fucking savage. So I'm happy that purely gets to live because he has an amazing conversation with Uhtred later. Um, mm-hmm. So that happens and Uhtred's ready just to hunt Brita the fuck down. He's got the crazy look in his eyes and that that pressure is starting to build. So stepping away from that for a second, we have the conversation in between Edward coming up with the Stewart plan and like Stewart rejecting it is the, all the stuff with Lady Scent, Lady of Scent, who Lady again. Can't. Like <laughs> Lady Two are, Cents, dude. I, yeah, Lady, Lady Two Fitty Cents. Cent. I still can't remember her name. Edgifu. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I still like Lady Kent, but I, I think it is Edgifu now. What did you guys think about that scene, though? Because she was like, she started that conversation so whack. Like, oh, I'm scared of your wrath. Like, I don't want you to kill yeah. me and my baby. Well, she doesn't say the baby part first. So yeah. she goes, I'm scared of your wrath. And I was like, damn, this is kind of like a turn. Not necessarily like a heel turn, like her turn of villainous, but I was like, this is definitely a character change based on one episode because she was Mm -hmm. all about Edward and she's saying, don't be a good person, be a good king, meaning give your wrath if you need to pretty much. And when she said that, I was like, what's going on? I don't understand. And as soon as she said the baby thing, I was like, oh, okay, okay. I was so confused, too. And then it made a lot of sense. I mean, you guys both weren't surprised when he was like, I'm going to queen you then. Right. 
Or I did wasn't you think surprised. He- I just like, it, <laughs> I don't know. I lost respect for Edward and how he went about it. Like Edward or Ailes weird. The kid's name, his, his son <laughs> Wolf or the- Alf weird. Elf. <laughs> Elf weird. There it is. Anyway, Elf weird was kind of right in seeing them getting wed by Benedict and being like, what the heck, dude? My mom yeah. just got buried. You're already moving on to the woman you were like betting with her. Like, a- am I really that out of the picture? So Edward totally forced Elf weird's hand. And Edward was just like this betrayal by my son is unparalleled. I guess he's out of the air of secession, which, yes, that was the move. But like, Come on, we all know why you're making that decision. You prefer the lady of Kent. Just be real with them. Be like, yeah. okay, you're you're out of here. I don't know. I still don't yeah. know how I feel about it, to be honest. Because I keep saying every podcast episode, I'm a little sketched out by it. Yeah. By I don't her, think there's any more time. I think I don't she's think been so good either. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like her way more than I liked the queen, the past yeah. queen. Like, fuck her. I don't she know, seems like, to give good counsel. She seems to be nice. Like she's really nice to Aylesworth in the second episode, even though Aylesworth's being mean to her. I think the Lady of Kent is is fine. Like I don't yeah. think there's time for her to really turn bad or anything. I think she's just a lady who loves Edward. Got pregnant, knew they weren't married, knew she was the mistress, and was scared that he was gonna flip out, and she just was gonna go home and have the baby in secret. And then he says, "I want to marry you. You're gonna be my queen." She's she's living the dream. Yeah. But I, I still don't know, and I'm not even going to try again. I'm sick of this freaking little bastard's name, but I, he's not a bastard. <laughs> but <laughs> the king's son. Alf Weird. Alf Weird. Okay, I, I can I can remember that. Alf Weird, he should be slighted, like you said, Brian. Like, he should be pissed. You know, it, it was sketchy. But yeah. I don't necessarily think that Edward was full on saying, like, all right, Lady of Kent's my new queen, and this kid is going to be the next king i still think elf weird would have been his next option but elf weird took that as a slight too like i'm out you know i don't know i still think this is the scene that he gets the most lines he's had of the entire show and it completely reinvented my image of him in my head because we knew nothing about him besides he couldn't fight and he was just like this little pampered grandson of ethelhelm so we knew nothing about him and honestly he he had more balls than I thought he did. Like when he started talking and he says to Benedict, like, you're going to take me to Bebenberg. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm no longer important to King Edward. Um, and he's he seems to have a little bit of the Ethelhelm ambition in him. But I still don't think there's enough time to really build him up to be anything more than Ethelhelm's plan. Yeah, I think he's getting caught in a really bad position because. You know, he does have redeemable qualities when he and Ethel Stan had that conversation. And I thought it was going to be so awkward, but he completely takes the high road. Like, how could I forget the dude that offered his life for mine? Like way back when he he's cool. He's just like yeah. Ethel Helm's bloodline. So, you know, he's obviously going to be a villain, but I, I like I, I don't hate him. him. I, I think I, he's going to wind up dying because yeah. he's aligning himself with the people that he is. But I don't know how safe he would have been been under Edward because as the years progress, Elf Weird is like this sickly pampered child from his former queen. You know what eventually is going to happen there. Edward obviously favors Ethelstan more than Elf Weird. He's probably going to favor the kid with the Lady of Kent more than Elf Weird. And Elf Weird's just going to be the odd man out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it totally makes sense that if you're a kid, especially, and you walk in and you see your, your dad getting remarried, it's totally acceptable to have a freak out, pretty much. And especially back in the day when you're just like, 
I already have a, a brother who's Ethel Stan who, and my dad won't say all this time that I'm the Ethling. He just won't say it. And they talk about it a lot in the earlier episodes. There's only a few words that come out of his mouth and it's him talking to Ethel Helm being like, why won't father call me the Ethling and stuff? And Ethel Helm has to say like, oh, well, you know, nobody wants to admit they're getting older and they might die. That's the reason when really it's, he doesn't know if it's Ethel Stan or or, or this kid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he it's fine that he freaks out. And I think that he doesn't realize it all. And we'll get to it later. He just doesn't realize that his Ethel Helm's a POS. So like he just he's buying everything that he's saying. And even when we get to the point later, when he's talking to Ethel Fled's daughter, Elfwin, Elfwin, she's Elfwin. He's starting to actually like believe everything Ethel Helm is saying. And he starts like coming mm-hmm. at her. Yeah. So I agree. I think he's done. He. I don't think there's enough time to make him anything big. I think Ethel Helm's the big dog and he's it's not looking good. Yeah, it's not, not looking, looking good. good. I think that's all the time I want to spend talking about Elf Weird. If you guys are good to move on. <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, there's a couple I, important things. Yeah, if you have something to bring up, go ahead. No, nothing. You said you were just cleaning up the background conversations before the big scene with Brita. Yeah, because there's um one other thing that gets talked about here. In uh, at the end of the Stiora rejecting Edward's offer in front of everybody, including mm-hmm. Utrid, is the what Edward does in response to her rejection is he says, "Okay, then you're completely exiled. You and everybody that follows you out of York by like the end of the day, or you're going to basically die." And yep. like Utrid can't fight back on this because Stiora just made this whole scene, and I think Edward's right to do this again. It's basically the same situation with Sig Trigger. He, beco- he he offers the rational and logical solution. They reject it. He has no choice but to be a king and say, like, okay, yeah. then you're going to die. Like, there's what else do you want me to say here, right? Like, so I think every time Edward gets put in these situations, I just love how he reacts because it's always so well-written and and reasonable for what his character would actually do so again he follows through with that theme of making rational decisions here and kicks stewart out of york um but the worst thing about this entire episode to me was right here when edward's a little flustered and he starts saying to utrid like okay well then i'm gonna fucking make sig bro the king that part right there i was like oh i hate that you said that utrid talks him off it though a little bit yeah, but he does it anyway. And then even when he's talking to Al Helm, he's like, all right, if Sigbro doesn't work out, I'll get somebody else and then somebody else and then somebody else. I don't give a shit. I'm the king. I'm, I'm the overlord. Somebody's going to do what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I'm going to keep moving on until I get the person I want. Yeah. You have to wonder, too, like Uhtred had to speak up in the middle of this whole Stiora thing and be like, Edward King, you, you spared her. Like, please, you spared her. Remember that. Yeah. He could have just been like, all right, Give me her head because mm-hmm. she did slight him in front of everybody. Yeah. When I get what she's doing because she's purposely doing that so that she can just be strong in front of the Danes and be like, this is not the right thing. And Sig Trigger wouldn't want me to do this and blah, 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 blah. But she could have easily just been like, yo, dad, can you go tell Edward? I just can't do it. You don't have to freaking slight him in front of his entire yeah. peeps. So she's lucky Utrid stood up for her. For sure. No, she fumbled the bag. They're never going to get this deal again. And the, you know, it's come and gone. And that's all on Stiora. So I'm not sure how I agree with you, Jimmy. I think she is going to turn back to the light, but I'm not sure what she's going to be able to do to uh, to regain her reputation in that yeah. sense. She's currently on the dead to me character list, so I don't <laughs> fucking care about her. For sure. 
<laughs> oh my gosh the uh, dead to me list is is a tough list to be on man dude yeah brita at least we see there's a, there's always room for more when brita gets pulled <laughs> off and stewart just fits right into that perfectly is Ellsworth um, on that list honestly dude she's funny now yeah <laughs> yeah she's she's had a strong season she wasn't five. even wearing gloves when this she is easily her out. best season and yeah. Oh, yeah. she still sucked in the beginning a little bit she had oh, some yeah. quips that made me like fuck you but yeah not talking about her anymore. Um, <laughs> so at this point, like so much chaos is going on for Uhtred. Like he's dealing with the rejection of Stuart. He's dealing with Edward freaking out a little bit. And and he also has the knowledge about Burita right now. Yeah. And so he decides that he's going to ride out and meet her because he knows where she is. What is the catalyst that gives him the information that he knows that she's at so least? She, she takes, Lake, right? No, that no, happened she, so much earlier. Yeah, no, no, no. Mm. She she has those two guards that are in the woods looking for her, and she takes one and ties him to the horse and then yes. rides the horse back. And then the, the guy says, meet me here. And it's back where it all started, where their original camp was. that got burned down by Kjartan. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. OK. And so as Uhtred gets this information, he knows he's like, I know exactly where she is. And yep. he's about to ride out and he has one more confrontation with Uhtred Jr. here. And he knows that it's going to be a trap. What he exactly what he says is, of course, it's a trap. Our destinies have been entwined since we were children. Either she kills me or I kill her. And I love all of that because Mm -hmm. fuck yeah. But of (laughs) course, before he gets out, there's the one line that changed the entire trajectory of what was going to happen in the end. And it's just Uhtred Jr. saying, like, promise me you're not going to kill her. Right. Like that. If he didn't say that. I really thought Uhtred was just going to slay Brita. But because yeah. he said that, I was like, zero chance. Like, he's not killing her. And he kind of said what I was saying in the last episode that we kind of didn't want, where I was like, all right, her redemption arc. Like, if they keep her alive, she obviously can't get away without being put in jail or something. And even Uhtred, young Uhtred says, Dad, don't slay her. Don't kill her. You know, we can we can imprison her. But just leave her alive, please. Promise me you'll leave her alive because you shouldn't do this. You don't want to actually do this. And then he says, you know, I'll, I'll take no time no pleasure. Yeah, yeah I'll whatever. take no pleasure yeah. in what I have to do. Yeah, that's the thing. Utra doesn't promise not to kill her. So that's why I kind of thought, you know, maybe he will be able to do the deed. Um, I think it was episode seven. Wait. Episode this is episode six. seven. <laughs> yes, I think it was episode six where Utrid said, uh, you know, it's my destiny to kill her. Maybe it's my destiny yeah. alone to take her out. And Utrid Jr. said, you know, maybe it's not your destiny. That That's what clicked it off because destiny is all. If young destiny Utrid is, is so put, all, dude. If he is putting it out into the universe saying explicitly, maybe that is not your destiny. I was just like, no, nah, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, that's another reason why. Steor is dead to us because she says destiny's not all, man. She's uh, like, dude, it's, it's we'll, so not all, bro. We'll get to that. Believe <laughs> me, we will get to that. Utrecht goes off on his way to confront Brita in Leeds. Okay. And I, for one, really appreciated kind of just the setting, how they were back where it all started in uh, Ragnar the Fearless's camp with mm-hmm. the, uh, what would you call that building? The home base <laughs> yeah the home base the main cabin that's where they will. hide the flag when you're playing the long the home flag. whatever you want to call it you know you could still see just kind of the the foundation of yep, that building yep. you knew exactly where it was uh the flashbacks we were getting as each swing of the blades you know just seeing young brita before the braids yep. just when she was an innocent smiling redheaded 
girl before like all of this nonsense started and when their lives were happy. And it's I appreciated those glimpses back to uh, really appreciate how far we've made it and come. Yeah. Before we go any further, we got a special surprise. Dave's back on the pod, baby. We didn't think we were going to have him today. We got him. Finished the episode five minutes ago, episode eight, rather. And these two episodes were incredible. I'll just say. Hold off on some of your opinions. Just take us into what you were thinking of of episode seven so far up until Brita and Uhtred. And then we'll. You'll just jump. Well, right back Dave, in. I just want to let you know that I gave you your props mm-hmm. because you said Stiora was going to kill Brita. We made sure to give you the props in the intro. So good job for you, homie. What else? What are you thinking for this episode so far? That was the only thing I was really going to harp on is just the fact that <laughs> that I, you're the man and you guessed so, it right. <laughs> I figured it was going to be Stiora killing Brita, but I was upset by the context in which it happened oh, yeah. because the way she did it now, as you guys have, I'm sure, already talked about, has led to Stiora now becoming the new Brita, which I'm not yeah. crazy about. But I was hoping it would have been in a better fashion that would have led to Stiora and Uhtred having a better relationship. But mm-hmm. I did. It sucks to see her go down this path. But overall thoughts, though, like episode seven, episode good. seven was crazy. Um, <laughs> we we're about to talk about it. The fight was great. Um, Pure League lives. Yeah. Pure, great to see him living. He has a great moment with Uhtred in episode eight. So I'm what do you think in, about what do you think about um, Edward with his new uh, with a new child on the way? I'm glad that he made the decision to just wed her right away rather than just worrying about having another bastard on his hand. I think. Of course, a lot of people are going to hate on that mm-hmm. um, example. Um, what's his name? Elf weird. Yeah. But I thought it was a good decision. I didn't want Edward to have another bastard roaming the lands. So I think it was a good, <laughs> good move. True. And then uh, how about Aylesworth? Because she catches a body. Yeah. yeah she catches she a slays body. Yeah. somebody. What, what was the quote? Yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm, we were trying to figure it out earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it was so he funny. He felt my wrath. Yeah. 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 Over exaggerated a little bit, but. Good for her. Aylesworth, I'll give her her credit. She's been pr- very good these past couple episodes. Still, best tier character? No. <laughs> best, best, top, top of the list. Top, Moves top, from top. F, from F to D, probably. <laughs> there so. you go. All right, that's fine. We said we said a couple episodes and even seasons ago that she was going to have to do like so much to, to move up from being yeah, an F. So. Exactly. So. Let's get into this fight, though, because I did yeah. really enjoy this battle. Dude, so, this, this fight was fucking amazing, man. Yeah, I was, was so... It, it was hitting on every single emotional level for me. B-Times, you said it so well. Like the, inter- the integration of all the flashback scenes as they're fighting and just like the epic music that Last Kingdom always does. It's like in the mm-hmm. theme song, too. Just like the choir in the background. And just always, always the emotion on Uhtred's face and his character. I just felt so strongly for this. Like his whimpering while they're fighting was making me like get chills everywhere. And I just, it was just such a good moment for these two. And I I hate Brita, but this was such a rewarding scene in Leeds right near where Ragnar, the, the OG died. I forget his name. The fearless. Fearless. Yeah. Just this was everything I could have wanted until the last five seconds, but like, it was just so freaking good. And Uhtred man, I'll die for him. (laughs) Honestly, though, when you say up to the last five seconds, I think the last five seconds kind of saved it because it was good. I just yeah, like you didn't want that situation where Uhtred actually says, like, we're two halves and and we can come back and there's hope and and we'll figure this out and everything's going to be okay. And Mm -hmm. let's bring it back to York and it's all good. 
Yeah. No, like we didn't want that. I mean, yeah, we don't want Steora's heel turn to turn into the new Brita, but I, I do think that we're all happy here that she ended up dying, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I walked down. This is probably an hour and a half ago. I walked downstairs to set up for the podcast, and I see Dave watching the last five minutes of this of mm. episode seven. And I'm just I'm going to watch with you. And as the scenes going on, Dave is pretty much predicting everything without <laughs> even knowing. He's like, oh, like, I don't want the redemption to happen. And he's like, oh, Stuart, I hope she kills her. And then right away, like the arrow comes in. Like, it was actually amazing watching you. Like go through those predictions. It was still a shock factor because you didn't think it was yeah. gonna happen, but you were just saying these things. There was a again, it was looming over me the possibility of Brita Brita having a redemption arc. You guys were just talking about it. Young Utrid mm-hmm. is talking to Utrid, and then Utrid's having these flashbacks. And I really didn't think he was gonna go through with it, which is why I was hyped that Sior came in and finished the job because her her arc was closed like there was no need to have that redemption arc she already had shut that down in the past couple episodes so looking back it was easy to see that she wasn't going to make it out of the fight and that Steor was going to come in but let me uh tickle the the fancies of some of our <laughs> anime fans because this fight really reminded me of the uh kakashi obito fight from naruto uh if you guys have watched Ooh. that one Kakashi and Obito were uh, like childhood friends, basically longtime rivals, and then they end up being good versus evil. And Kakashi, during the fight, they're having this fight, and it's flashing back to them fighting as kids. Yeah, and that still is my favorite fight in Naruto. And because of the reasoning of how they were able to flash back at perfect, like synchronized movements of the fight, mm-hmm. and it did that here, and that's why I'm going to say this is one of my favorite fights. Honestly, yeah. of the whole and show. Brita held it down. Like we've been giving her credit every time she's been being shitty. She can at least fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, I also like the fact that Utrid was Fucking taking care of her. Yeah. And he could have finished it at any point. When he's smashing down with his sword over and over, like she's blocking, but really he's taking his rage, knowing he's not going for the actual kill. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. just slamming it down on her and letting her block it and just going harder and harder. No, the one thing I wanted to say is Luke watched. Like he, we said, Luke was watching me, and when Sora let the arrow fly and Brita went down, I was actually really hoping that Uchard was going to give her a weapon. I really actually wanted her to get to Valhalla. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dave as was freaking as, out. He's like, give her a sword, give her a sword, I, give her a sword. I, we hate the character, but I really did think that in this final shot, of course, she deserved to have Valhalla and be with her child. And I was, she, she was kind of sitting there lifeless for a second. I really didn't think they were going to give her the sword in time but thankfully they did so i was happy that they were able to get her to valhalla i love that yeah you you have to give a lot of props to the writers the creators whoever actually decides these flashback scenes because we talked about a million times there's five seasons of brita nutrid and there's not a lot of times that we liked brita yep if you go all the way back to season one brita gave utrid good counsel in the first episode like brian said where she says stop and don't go to Bevenberg, go to Ubba and take care of it. From that moment on, when they get to Winchester, she's pretty much annoying as people who are Utratomies, you know, because she's kind of thwarting him by accident the entire time until she actually does go, quote unquote, bad. But I was feeling it like I was getting the feels from these flashbacks. Like it was making me go, all right, you're almost making me forget that mm-hmm. I think that she didn't deserve any redemption. And then I was feeling some good stuff with these flashbacks and her emotions and, and the acting from both actors. And it was good. Like, uh, yeah. I, and you forget how young she looked when they're, they're doing the first flashbacks and she's saying, like, give me a kiss. It, it was good, man. It was good. It was yeah. good. 
it was a great close to a terrible storyline. <laughs> that's, that's all yeah. it was. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We talked about it a million times. We don't think she re- deserved the redemption. We don't think that Utra did enough to her to make her hate him this much. And it was still a little confusing during this whole thing because you could have fixed this entire thing by just saying that her purpose for being such a biatch and, and going after him was because she wanted him to go after her and kill her and send her to Valhalla because she has nothing left. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that that's her inspiration after Vivica dies. But before she dies, she still castrated Utrid and went for Stior. So that's not an acceptable reason. Yeah. You know, you still can't use that as your reason. So there's still not really a great reason for Brita to be how she was. I think Luke put it the best way in the last episode. The writers kind of had blind blinders on for this character but to their credit they did give her a good send off that made me feel the feels so credit to them i i didn't think she was capable of making me get emotional yeah uh, which they definitely did also i was not expecting the arrow i was like oh she's gonna live through this episode what pam it was a good surprise actually but it made sense. Yeah, I was like, whoo, good. She is going to die somehow. And it was by Stewart's hat. Yeah. Gotta do the shock factor. Always for the last kingdom. Gotta. And let me ask you guys. I kind of felt stupid, but maybe not. Like, I definitely wasn't expecting the arrow. It happened. I was like, oh, shit. They do specifically have the scene where Stior is just watching Uhtred yeah. as he leaves to go after Brita. And yeah. we probably should have known that she was going to follow him. Oh, I didn't even have that in my head course, like, at all. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. Like I that's the reason why she's watching him. But yeah, it's another hindsight thing. Yeah. But so then so as the arrow goes through, though, man, that scream by Utrid, just a pure anger at his daughter was I live for that kind of shit. But that was amazing. <laughs> and then as Brita dies saying, I'm sorry, Utrid gives her the blade. And then she says her last word, Ragnar. Yeah, I thought it was going to be her daughter, but Ragnar is even cooler to me. Yeah, I, I like it was Ragnar. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think we did it all justice. I mean, we gave Brita probably more justice than she deserves. So <laughs> if we're good there, we can move on to episode eight. Yeah, let's, let's get, get it. it. Yeah, let's get it. So episode eight picks off also right in Leeds right here. It goes through the burial, right? Does she? Yeah, he burns, burns her. He burns yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So he gives her a little yeah. send off. And then we have the blow up conversation between Utrid and Stiora. And then this is where. She's she she Luke. she says this one line. <laughs> I wanted to just fucking just punch my TV when she says no one has felt pain like I endured. I was yeah. just like, "Lo fucking l!" Like, are you yeah. kidding me, dude? Utrid has gone through the worst thing ever. He was a slave for a little bit, watching his boys getting murdered. Like, he has gone through multiple families getting slaughtered. This girl knows nothing. She's like six years old. She knows fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. I was just so infuriated that she's taking the breeder route. Like, she's so un necessarily pissed off at Utrid for being a target is what she claimed because she was just Sig Trigger's wife as the queen of the Danes. I don't know. And then she just turns her whole back on destiny. She doesn't even fucking believe in destiny. It's it's all. It's all. It's it's all. My God. Yeah, I don't Brian, really have much to I say. Know, no, Brian has something to say because he told me no, to it's wait. just enraging, man. Every single <laughs> yeah. episode starts with destiny is all. And she says explicitly, <laughs> I don't believe in destiny. What do you want me to say to that? That's like that, the ultimate betrayal of this show. And did that just make her the main I, antagonist? <laughs> I think so. In my eyes, yes. Brita uh, never she, said destiny isn't all. Yeah, she she believed in destiny, Brita. 
I don't know. Yes, yeah, Dior is just being super annoying. And, and we've already talked about it. I think she's going to come back. But yeah, the, yeah. it's just bad, bad decision one after another. And this is the classic route that they've taken with the Dane leader characters. It's the trajectory is you kind of like them in the beginning. You find some redeemable qualities They're They become like a more likable character than you expect. And then they just like heel turn and start making these stupid, bold decisions out of anger and revenge. And, and pride. It's, and yeah, pride. pride and, yeah. and that's why none of them survive except for Sig Trigger, who was able to be smart and calculated for eight years through the piece. And then the second when he let his emotions get the better of him, he he died. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really annoying. And, and Stewart's just got to figure it out. This is a bigger upset than Tom Brady coming back against the Falcons in the Super Bowl is Utra Jr. becoming the favorite kid over Stiura. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I did yeah. not see this coming from we were talking about all of this in season four. Holy shit. Yeah, I do expect she has her yeah. her turn back to the light, like Brian said. All right, let's go through the Bebenberg bucket because this episode is pretty easy. There's only two main settings that we have for mm-hmm. scenes, and I think it makes sense just to go through the Bebenberg stuff. It's shorter and it's less important but it is all of the buildup of our antagonist here because it's, again, more insight into the relationship between the, the changing relationship between Ethelhelm and Whitgar, and they both fucking hate each other. And at the same time, as their hatred is building towards each other, this is when Alf Weird shows up. And I think weird, this is dude. the first time that Ethelhelm kind of is showing a little bit of compassion, but I don't know if it's just a front because him and... Him and Alf Weird are like bonding about the passing of the of the Queen, of course, and like this seemed the most genuine Ethel Helm has ever seen on screen. But again, I don't know if it's just part of the plan. He's playing it up, but he did kind of care about his daughter at points. It's because oh, yeah. it's his blood. I mean, he cares about his blood, and Alf yeah. Weird at the end of the day is still his blood, and it's all favors his plan. So he, it, like, he would have eventually had to go out and look for Alf Weird, but he doesn't have to do that now. He can just he just arrived. <laughs> so he was happy, yes, to see his blood, but he was also like, "This is perfect because my plan yeah. can just mm-hmm. move in action." You just well, nail it, Dave. He does. I don't think this was part of the plan, though, is that Alf Weird truly believes and only pins the death of his mother on the Danes, mm-hmm. where I think oh, yeah. Ethel, Ethel Helm wanted him to have a little bit of like partially it's Edward's fault to kind of build that hatred. And mm-hmm. so this is like another, you know, point for Alf Weird not being super, super manipulatable. Mm-hmm. If that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Manipulate. Sure, we'll just throw it we'll in the dictionary. It. We yeah. like making up words on yeah. Town. Um. Uh, yeah. So I think. Yeah. You know, I think. I think Dave nailed it. Like Dave nailed it when he said, "Yes, Ethelhelm's happy to see Elf Weird, but really, he's just like this is freaking perfect, man. Yeah. My heir that I want is just walking right into the Bevenberg for me." Left and Edward, like, rides, yeah. That 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 was a showing of okay, this guy rides for me over Edward. But yeah, he yeah. definitely cares about his grandson. He definitely cared about his daughter. He can argue whether it's the same thing if you're caring more about yourself or your legacy or your blood. But, you know, either way, that's that's all in one spot right now. Him mm-hmm. and his grandson are there and he's living the dream in his own eyes. And then Elf Wynn shows up and it's getting even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, like they, they talk about plans constantly whenever they're in Bevenberg and you just seeing the whole King Constantine plan. It keeps getting reiterated. Um Nothing too crazy here, except that Benedict, Father Benedict, hears this whole plan and then immediately leaves to go back to York. So 
good for him. His debts are cleared. He's no longer in gambling debt to Ethel Helm. And then he did deliver this news. And we find out later that he was willing to take punishment for it because he's just, I guess, turning, you know, he's trying to be a little bit more pure. And shout out That's to Ald Helm for not actually punishing him. Like later. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. he, he said, yeah. you know, this, yeah, these actions are punishable by the king. And then the next sentence he says is like, just get out of here and get safe. And I'm like, mm-hmm. let's go out home. Yeah. This, this shady priest has been such a plot mover. He was the one that disseminated the information that Ethel fled was dying. Yep. He was the one that showed Bressel the queen's body in Rumkova. And now he's the one revealing Ethel Helm's grand plan to Edward. Like, and he brought what? Elf Weird to Bevenberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right, man. He's he's been doing some things in the background, uh, just showing up in one season, couple episodes, doing the damn thing. Mm-hmm. I've always liked Father Benedict. It's just that obviously he has ties with bad people because of his gambling debts. So it's he's in this. He's a good man that's put in a position of his own undoing. Which I'm I'm glad that his debts are cleared now, and hopefully he can just stay loyal to one side now that he doesn't have to work for. If he doesn't get killed. Yeah, I was going to say he might even just be done now. I think his purpose be. was served and he's fle- yeah. fleeing. But, you know, getting to the scene that you were talking about, Luke, where when Benedict leaves, this scene here is funny because Whitgar is just making all these quips at Elfweird the entire time because mm-hmm. Elfweird and Ethel Helm are kind of talking back and forth about their plans or what they think is going to happen, this and that. Or, and Whitgar and the rest of the guys know that Ethel Helm is full of shit. And all everyone else is kind of just eating and being quiet. And Alf Weird is very just like blind to everything, except like you said, Luke, he does get points for saying like, I don't think my dad would kill him, you know, the, the queen. I don't think he would do that. Otherwise, he's just taking everything Ethelhelm saying as gospel. Yeah. And Wickar is just like giving these quips. I don't even remember exactly what he's saying, but he's just he's just stirring the pot, man. <laughs> and no, he gets louder and louder as he's yeah. saying it to eventually he's just like basically talking to them. From Turds, on of West, top of the... Turds of Wessex, he says. Yeah. yeah, I love their I love that back and forth. Even like they hate each other, obviously. But, you know, when Wickar gets introduced to Ethel Helm and he's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Wickar of Bevenberg. And he's like, oh, of Bevenberg, like you're the one that's been tormenting yeah. Uhtred the whole time. And yeah, he just starts yeah. laughing. Like, I love that part, too, even though fuck Ethelhelm. But that was a really good yeah. introduction between the two characters. Uh, the only other thing that happens in Bevenberg is just that final part where Alfwyn shows up. They have the mm-hmm. dinner and then she threatens like, oh, I'd rather kill myself than marry King Constantine. And Ethelhelm's like, go do it then. Yeah. No one's yeah. going to fucking stop you. And then, and then it kind of fades away because she just crumbles and she will not I'm- do that. Yeah, and then we do get that scene that I was talking about where Elfward is there and she's saying, you know, we're kin, help me. Like, you yeah. know, this isn't right. And he's just like pretty much just like shut up and listen to Ethel Helm. Mm-hmm. Any other final comments, B. Toms? No, nothing big. Honestly, I, I feel like we covered it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with Those that. Uh, seven too, yeah. yeah, but I guess that concludes that bucket and it kind of brings us perfectly. Benedict arrives back to Uhtred's camp. Where would they be right now? Are they still in Efferwich? No, he yeah, would they're be in, in Leeds. They're in York, right? No, they're still in Efferwich, York. Yeah, they're still yeah. there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Benedict goes there. And as I believe Uhtred has already decided, like, I can't, it, 
entangle myself with these struggles anymore. I got to focus on keeping my daughter safe in my kin. Yes. And through the back of his, you know, he's just eavesdropping. He hears Benedict say, all these troops are amassing in Bevenberg and his ears perk up like, are you yeah. kidding me? Bevenberg of all places. Mm-hmm. Boy, that might just perfectly be the place that I could settle with my family. I'm sorry. <laughs> the whole struggle he's been saying is he's been trying to get Citric and Finnan on board to go back to Romkova yep. yeah. so that he can like resettle there and provide um, safety, Stewart, uh, with a, safe, yeah. a safe place just to get her bearings back and not become Brita 2.0. Whereas <laughs> Citric and Finnan are like, bro, like you weren't there when we were there, but like Osfirth got slaughtered, all the Danes got slaughtered. That place has way too many ghosts and skeletons to be mm-hmm. the safe place for refugees. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, Utrecht doesn't have anywhere else to go. So he's trying to force them to go there. And then he hears this about Bevenberg mm-hmm. and the stars align, which brings us, I'm going to hand it over to Luke because I know you loved the conversation between Pierlig and Utrecht where Pierlig just breaks it down with some, with some shades of father Bianca's wisdom. And yes. that, that just was, was such an OG conversation. Mm-hmm. It was just so amazing. Them finally, like in a meta way, talking about the two different religions of, there's no God, there's gods. And then like, and then pure like saying, well, whatever, just like when you go into this fight, just believe my God's on your side. Like they have this whole super important philosophical conversation. That's been the backbone of this show between the two cultures of Danes and Saxons. That's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, like I'm so happy I was wrong about pure league dying because this conversation yeah. was so worth it. They talk about destiny because it's all, and it's just, <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Like pure league is, and this is like a huge motivator, I think, for Utrecht's thinking for the whole rest of this episode and how it's going to carry into Bevenberg and like him hopefully taking it back. But yeah, I'm just, it, it's just good, good writing. And I love that even though Utrecht is fighting back on what uh, Father Pure league is saying, Pure league is just keep, keeps hammering the the destiny and the stars aligning for these moments that it's just so hard for Utrid not to believe that something out there is controlling his destiny, like not something out there controlling his destiny, but you know, that this is all happening for a reason. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, Utrid, like this is, this is what, this is your calling. And they, they put yeah. words to what his destiny actually is for the first time. And it's set and they're like theorizing. And I don't, I forget who says it, if it's either Utrid or pure Lake, but basically they say like, is it, my destiny to complete England for Edward or for yeah is it Alfred. my destiny? I think they say Edward. Yeah, no, I think they do say Edward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would have been cooler Alfred, if they said yeah. Alfred. <laughs> yeah. And in response to that, Utrid just chuckles to himself and says, "Your God certainly has a sense of humor, doesn't he?" Like, yeah. of course, it's all back to Bemberg in the yeah. end. Yeah. That's that's why he failed the times before because it it was always destined to be right here and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he even tells Pierlig and when they're doing the back and forth between the gods and God, he says, you know, how do I know that this isn't the gods teasing me or testing me with Bevenberg when really I should just take Steora and get her to safety? And and Pierlig's like, well, what if it's not? What if it isn't them testing you? What if it is your destiny, bro? Like, it's just a nice back and forth. And I and I guess we can do a quick rewind because mm-hmm. we didn't talk about else with and Edith coming back. Yeah, yeah was, I'll, I'll take us know. through these. Because okay. there, are, there are some things that we missed, but it's fine because I just love talking about Hootred. But yeah. uh, okay, so what's happening for the other characters as all this is going on is we have Edward talking about Alf Weird's betrayal with Lady of Kent. Um, and what's what her name, he, dude? 
<laughs> I'm I, fresh off the episode and I still couldn't yeah. tell you. I know it's like E A D G. Edgafu. Edgafu? Edgafu. I think that's it. Edward yeah. says something to his wife that I thought was just a really, really good quote. He just says that he's basically like theorizing of what should I do? Should I like, you know, like, am I going to go get revenge on Ethel Helm? Am I going to keep going for Alfred's full dream? And he ends up saying, like, I won two kingdoms that kings much greater than I could not. And I just love the acknowledgement of him always kind of being humble and not thinking he's too great. Like, and, and some of the kingdoms or kings that he's referring to is obviously his father. Like he knows his father was a better king and he's still willing to acknowledge that. And it's just like, that was just such a good quote that sums up that he is very introspective when he's thinking about his reign. Cause he's always a little self-conscious. Am I like when he talks with his wife, am I being too mean? Am I being too, you know? So I just like right. that quote. I really love Alf or Edward going through all this because we've seen him grow so much and the growth is honestly what is hindering him right now. In the past, he's learned to think about his actions and the consequences of them and learn from that. And now he's being pu- pushed into a situation that he has to make a quick decision. And he's like, no, I like really need to think on this because this is what I've done in the past. Like thinking on it rather than making rash decisions has hurt me in the past. And so he is really, and I understand where he's coming from by not wanting to rush right away, but the opening is just so there for the taking that he mm-hmm. just, he should obviously follow Uhtred and I think he will, but I, I honestly do love how much of the pressure of the, the kingship is having on Edward because he's been through it all through the bad and the good. He's developed into a great king and these issues now are like you know they're conflicting with how he's grown in the past the so. big boy decisions yeah yeah and let's talk a little bit more about the lady of kent igafu conversation because this is the conversation before edward finds out that elfin was taken to ethel helm in bevenberg mm-hmm. and he's sitting there talking about how this is betrayal and his son leaving him for ethel helm who's a traitor is just the worst thing you can do and he's going to have to cut him out and this and that. And, you know, the lady of Ken is saying we're going to have a son. And then they decide that pretty much the son is going to be the next heir. But the thing that you guys are referring to too, is that he couldn't figure out what Ethelhelm's plan was. He was like, all right, he's luring me into a trap, but without elf win, what's the plan? Like he can't figure it out. So he's like, I need to think on this. I'm not going to jump to, to action i'm going to think and then that's what leads to l swift and edith coming in and giving him this information about elf win and he freaks out because they're like you gotta go get elf this is crazy like how are you saying no to this and he's like stop mm-hmm. he's like i can't just jump to things ethelhelm wants me to jump to action i need to think about this and then we get to the part where l swift and edith are, are going to decide that they need to ask utrid yeah, and, and then, that's where we're at right here. Because yeah, and that's where we get to. Yeah. That conversation, though, the, I have to bring it up because we mentioned a couple of times how Elswith's been hilarious these two episodes. Yeah. And when she's talking about killing Bressel, she's like, I was slaughtering, slaughtering a man with my bare hands. And Edith in the background just goes, it's kind of an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, I didn't even wear gloves. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I have to bring some credit, Elswith. Yeah. And it's um, really funny yeah. because actually earlier in the season when she's like being a hypochondriac and Ethel fled is praying. She's like, look after my brother, Edward. And then she's like, 
and look after my mother. And Al Swift walks up and she's like, what? What's going on? Why is why is he have to look after me? I'm not sick. Am I? Am I OK? And then she's like, does this look white? And then she like sticks her tongue out. And I <laughs> tweeted. I was like, I'm actually laughing at Al Swift. And then somebody tweeted back at us saying I didn't even wear gloves and I didn't even know what they were talking about uh, because that was literally. It. So now I know yeah. that it's hilarious. It's <laughs> so good, man. Yeah. I think we pretty much hit everything before this final scene. The one thing I will say is um, there was that quick flash of seeing Sig bros living his best life through all this chaos. And then also, I think it's important to note that Uhtred doesn't tell Uhtred Jr. how Brita died, like doesn't put that blame on Stuart, but does put him at ease saying that he didn't kill her. Right, right. So that's good that Uhtred Jr.'s like perception of his father isn't changed. Like it's still positive. Um, And then the last thing that happens before we can jump into this final scene is we get that quick flash over to the kingdom of Scotia where we see King Constantine. Nothing crazy happens. It's just continue on business as usual with him rallying the banners and getting ready to go through with Ethel Helm's plan and go to war with Edward. So those pieces are still moving. But now we get to, in my opinion, top three best scenes of this entire show. Like this, this scene is just the pinnacle of this show it's just the culmination yeah. i already said it earlier the culmination of all of these different characters who had all of these crazy different plot arcs to get them to this point all rallying behind our main character who knows mm-hmm. he's right who knows he needs to complete his destiny and become utrid of bebenberg and just it was amazing seeing all this happen of just every single character putting in their input even Aylesworth. even Aylesworth. we had <laughs> edith in the background of course the boys finnan and sick trick are there like and then it comes down to Ethel Stan, but I, I don't want to go too far into it. Somebody else stop me because I'll just keep gushing. <laughs> I remember back in like season two when Aylesworth was really one of our most hated characters. We said something along the lines of we're never going to start liking her until she says completely like, screw my faith. I'm putting every all my marbles behind Uhtred. And mm-hmm. she's literally doing it right now. Luke, yep. I couldn't agree more. This is a really powerful scene. It it, it felt like uh, the episode before the Battle of Winterfell, like the Night of the Seven Kingdoms in Game of Thrones, where just yep. everybody was under one roof. You understood it was right before shit is about to hit the fans in the next two episodes. And you just get an appreciation for everything that these characters have been through that got them in this position, you know, and they're all just presenting a united front, mm-hmm. um, arguing pro destiny, like <laughs> Edward, you got to understand the stars are aligning to finally give Uhtred of Bevenberg Bevenberg back. Like it, it couldn't be any more perfect. Um, and have, have we said the, the counter argument that Edward is pitching no, so, I don't think so. No, not yet. Okay, I could take a... St- so Edward essentially... And this is a running theme with Edward is that he always seeks peace. He's he's really avoidant to any violence of any sort. So he says, okay, I, I understand that to, to, to quell this feud in any capacity, there's going to be bloodshed. So I want to seek out the path that is most peaceful to avoid any violence. So he says, I'll let... Constantine marry Elfwyn, I believe, and then we mm-hmm. will split the Northumbrian kingdom in half, giving them the eastern portion, including Bebenberg and the land surrounding it, whereas the western portion of Northumbria will remain under uh, Wessex's crown or whatever. And all of them in the room are viscerally opposed to that plan. Aylesworth is clearly like, and you're just going to let Elfwyn be a slave to marriage and Constantine and a Scott, yada, yada, yada. Uhtred is 
oh my gosh, he must have just puked in the waste bucket like <laughs> Bebenberg to the Scots. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody is just so opposed to this plan. And it, it was great. It was great. It feels yeah. like all the sorry, Jimmy, to cut you off. I just want to get this out there. That's pretty rude, it, but <laughs> it feels like all the hate for Aylesworth was meant for this one moment. Like as the viewers it's the the culmination like even edward is aware that aleswith is not the biggest fan of utrid so there's all this hate from both the viewers and aleswith of like that sh- we know that she hates him and it's in this one moment where it's like okay i'm giving utrid everything right now it yeah. just feels like the writers did it on purpose to show that anyone can make a 180 on a character you know yeah so I, I just that's love. actually a great point it really emphasizes it and it's just it's kind of just showing that utrid is just objectively right yeah right yeah. Exactly. Yeah. just being up right. for debate yeah and to edward's credit he does say it's a good plan but then what he says is the problem here is utrid that your son is seedless and your daughter is exiled you don't have an heir and if you're the king of Bebenberg for however long, yeah, that's great. But peace won't reign for for time and time again unless you have heirs and you don't. So we're, we're done. King Edward clearly does not listen to the Benchtown TV podcast he because he would not. have heard about the secret son that he yeah. has in hiding. Yep. And I was actually wondering if Uther was going to be like, all right, Edward, I actually do have somebody we can talk about right here. But he doesn't. So. You know, the kid doesn't even get brought up in these two episodes. But that's but gotta be the plan, man. That's gotta it has be the to plan. Be, it's so funny. Like, you know, we're talking about it and we're saying his only purpose has to be the air situation. And as soon as Edward, those words came out of his mouth, I was like, all right, all right. So the other thing I was going to say, you guys nailed it pretty much. I was worried for Finnan because Finnan, everyone is kind of just like being like with respect, King. We don't think that you're right. Like we we think Uhtred's right, and Finnan just like comes at him. I forget what the insult is, but he hits him with an insult, and he then says, he gets, "Things really aren't going your way there, a king." Yeah, come on, <laughs> like, Finnan, like, way out of pocket. Dude, with with two episodes left in the series, and where everyone's dying left and right, I was like, "Don't you dare say that, Finnan! <laughs> don't you dare!" And he gets hit, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then we're sitting there and we're wondering, he Aldhelm had one of the best parts of this thing where he's like Mercian Mercian's army is on Uhtred's side. He's, yep. They are not on your side. And then he's like, all right, you guys are going to be locked into this place. You're not leaving. And he goes, all right, well, the Mercian guard is going to knock this freaking door down. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's go out. So one of the coolest things, I don't know if I'm misremembering this because I'm just making it more poetic in my head, but I'm pretty sure as the scene was going on and we're going through the different leaders, I guess in the room, it's kind of like the body language of the room starts shifting where everyone starts kind of piling behind yeah, Uhtred yeah. physically, oh, yeah. 100%. physically. So it's like Aldhelm started it off incredible. Then Aleswith jumps in with Edith backing her up and she even invokes Alfred's name mm-hmm. and like his like whole legacy, which is just fuck. Yeah. Like absolutely Alfred keep Alfred died in spirit for this there. man. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Then Aleswith is, yeah, is really the only one that can, be a proxy to Alfred's yeah. legacy right yeah. now and his desires. That's I why say. I was saying all that hatred was meant for literally this moment. moment. Yeah, yeah, true, true. She says something along the lines of like, while you are wrong in this situation, we're not saying like you're 
a bad king or something, whatever it is. Do you remember the line, Brian? I, I think it's you're not wrong. You're just mistaken there in you this go. situation. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a mother who can say that. So after all these people are gathering behind him and the person that we did miss, which I think is really important, is Father Peerlick steps up because Ooh. he is literally Edwards Bianca. Like he yeah. is his advisor. And in this situation, he just makes it so verbal, like, I'm with Uhtred for this. And this all ties back to that conversation they had earlier. And Father Peely just rides for Uhtred like Bianca did. And that that's just such an amazing moment. Another powerful person on that side. And as soon as like this ensemble of badass people are just like sitting there waiting for Ed- Edward's reaction, it is so amazing, man. It's just like dead silent. And he has his ring and he's just tapping the fucking throne over yep. and over and i was just like i was just gushing i was like this is so masterfully done and it all ends with him turning this conversation he turns and looks to his left as the last person who needs to decide what side he's on yeah. is ethelstan who is yep. half dane half saxon in a way through through utrid's upbringing and then being the son of edward and mm-hmm. the fact that edward over these last couple episodes has been getting more respect for him and like he appreciates Ethel Stan and wants him to like lead his guard and stuff. All of that's amazing. And everyone's just like holding their breath, like, what the fuck is Ethel Stan gonna do? And Utra just shuts his mouth, like looks him in the eye, and Ethel Stan just delivers this amazing speech about just being with his with Utrid. And it's just the yeah. final straw that kind of just cements this squad that's gonna be anti-Edward. And it causes Edward to have that like last second like freak out says he just kind of goes off the deep end temporarily and he's just like if anyone that's on this side doesn't leave by the morning, they're going to be executed. And then Utrid, of course, goes and says, like, all right, well, this is our mission. You're either with us or against us. We will not be here in the morning. We're going yeah. to Bebenberg. And it's just like a mic drop moment. And this show is just so peak. <laughs> I, I obviously think Edward will help out. I think Ethelstan yeah. being the deciding factor. What I was thinking through that whole conversation with him and Ethelstan was the conversation they had a couple episodes ago where he he's talking about who can I trust if not for my own, like my own kin, my own son. Yeah. And if I, I, it just really rung for me in this scene, because that's the last he, if he can't trust Ethel Stan's opinion, like he, he can go and not trust all these people. That's fine, but it's his blood that he trusts the most. And for Ethel Stan to make that decision to cross over to Uhtred's side, it's just, I think, I think Edward will get like a good night of sleep or something, you know, <laughs> and wake up and be like, you know what? You guys are right. Let's get the <laughs> let's get the whole squad finally complete. Let's have me in there and let's just ride to Bebenberg and fuck shit up. He may actually leave this room of all this tension where he has to pretty much be on as the king. And it could be our girl, Lady of Kent, that's like, hey, this actually does seem right because she recently has been the one who's been giving him his counsel that he actually listens to. Yeah. I'm praying for it, man. I don't want Edward to be an obstacle. Like iron this out in episode nine. I will say, Jimmy, just another knock against trailers in the trailers. There's a definitive Edward saying, so then Lord Uhtred to Bebenberg. Oh, yeah. Come the fuck on. So now you know the deal. (laughs) It's a little BS. I am making I want it on the record. I don't want to do trailer covers for any show going forward. I think trailers (laughs) are lame. Right. That's allowable. I mean, I think they're different from movies because you're seeing the movie all in one shot. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. during the movie, it could kind of spoil something for you. But a show is a lot easier to accidentally spoil 
And that is that is a shame because I don't even remember that part of the trailer because it's been so long. I only watched it once for the pod and kind of let it go for that exact reason. Like, I don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, true. Fuck, boys. That this is oh. it. We've been waiting for dude. We're finally going back to Bebenberg. I was telling them before I hopped on midway through that. I, I wasn't I wasn't supposed to be on the podcast and I, they were like, oh, like you want to say some things? I was like, yeah, I'll say a couple things in my head, planning to just go right into episode nine. And they're like, oh, you might as well say. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess like I'll do yeah. the podcast, I guess, you know, but fuck, man, these were two of honestly, these might be two of the like my favorite episodes, like these moments that happen in these past two episodes are going to resonate with the moments of like Alfred dying, Ethel fled dying. Um, yeah. Wow. Really? Like, I just really think that like that shot of everyone behind Uhtred is one that's going to like, when I think of the last King, that's going to be one of the first things that comes into my mind is that shot right there. And it's, just, I just really love. And then Brita dying, getting the closure on that finally after five seasons, like, it was just this was the peak of the last kingdom and for what it's worth i would put this i'm think the more i'm thinking about it i think this this scene and then the alfred and utrid conversation that happens yeah. before alfred dies are my two favorite single scenes exactly. of the show yeah i think the alfred scene still number one for me but this yeah, is definitely so definitely it's very close. very top Dude, yeah. this is like an avengers moment baby yeah, yeah, yeah like, avengers assemble baby it is it yeah is. we're just missing hilt who's gonna roll up with oh, the kid sh- later she's rolling up with young Ragnar, Leah Fritch, <laughs> Alfred, Oscar, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> um, so, all right, here we go. We've got two episodes. We know that the last kingdom can make two episodes seem like an entire season, but we know the plan is that we're, they're going to cut off Bevenberg before the King Constantine realizes what's going on. So he'll, he'll basically know that he's not going to have that alliance pretty much. Like they're going to take Bevenberg back. They're going to take Aelfwin back and it's kind of going to stop the deal between Ethelhelm and Constantine. So do we think that we're focusing, just like you said, Brian, to Bebenberg? Are we going to focus on just Bebenberg and Wittgar and Ethelhelm and, and Constantine isn't even going to be too big of a thing? Do you think the deal is going to be that we stop Bebenberg and then Constantine's going to be like, all right, I'm out. And then he's kind of done. So, yeah, the uh, the only reason I do think that's a possibility is because I think there was a line in this episode or maybe it was episode seven where Edward makes a point or maybe it's Uhtred saying King Constantine strikes me as the kind of guy who only looks out for his current uh, Scotia territories above all else. So if we're able to cut this off, then he probably won't pursue uh, advancing his territories anymore. He'll just right. hold his own borders and call it quits at that, which could work in their benefit for just uniting all of England. So that is kind of where I think it's it's heading. He also doesn't strike me as someone who's going to die on behalf of Ethelhelm. Yeah. Like if things go south in Bebenberg, he's going to be like, all right, Scots, we're going back up north. Yep. We're going to hold it down. Wickar and Ethelhelm can fend for yourself. Agreed. I totally see it like Bebenberg finally being wrapped up at the series finale and then the movie incorporating something with the Scots. Like we get, sh- we got a shot of uh London being a big mark for Ethelhelm's plans going forward. So interesting to see if I think that will play a big role in the movie as well. So I think the movie will focus more on like the actual world rather than the, the internal strifes of Wessex, like Dane and wet Saxon kind of things. Like I think we'll get big picture stuff in the movie. I think it's such an easy easy win to have king constantine around for the movie big player I think yeah. so doesn't need I to think die he will i like him a lot as a, as a character yeah. and an actor 
Yeah. All right. Real quick. Let's have a little fun here. I just want to do a quick yes or no. I don't need any reasons. We're doing a mini Deadpool here. Okay. I just want to name some people. Okay. Do you have a list, Luke, or do you want me to just name? No, I I was just going to bring up. I would say I want deaths predictions and then guaranteed safety predictions. So basically the same thing. Okay. All right. So let's do it. We'll start off Ethelhelm. Yes or no? Dead. Yeah. Dead. 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 Yeah. Okay. Elf weird. Dead. Alive. I'm just going to say dead because there's just a higher chance of him dying. Okay, dead. I, I, I'm going to say dead. Um, let's go with Finnan. Dead. Dead. I'm going to say we're not supposed to go into it too much, but I'm going to say that Uhtred gets his happy ending. He gets Bevenberg and he has the best friend that could ever exist with him. But that's it. Nobody no. else is going to make it with him. Give me it. I'm saying alive. This yeah, I'm baby. Alive. I'm already gearing myself up to cry because Finn and Citric are both going to die in this. Okay, this so that's the next question. Citric. Yes, they're both not Citric making it Citric is alive, I think. Okay, One I'm of the two. Dead. Yeah. One of the um, two is making it out, and I think people care more about Finn than Citric, so that would be a more powerful death. Okay, okay. So I'm going to do the opposite reasoning and say Citric is going to die. That's okay. And okay. So you, me, and you are of singular minds here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Peer league. Alive. 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 Okay. Okay. Um. Anybody else we want to talk about here? Let's do. Uh, is Whitgar making it out of this? No. Dead. No. No. Dead. Dead. Steora. <laughs> Look at this fucking guy. Oh, he's he, I didn't even notice you're making that face. Ah, he's How does it take little snake, dude? Nah, Whitgar's dead. <laughs> okay. Steora. Steora. Alive. Alive. Redemption. Alive. Redemption. Yeah. Young Uhtred. Alive. 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 Do we have any others that we want to uh, want to bring up? Uhtred himself. Everyone. Same alive. page. Yeah. Alive. Alive. Yeah. Alive. He'll He's alive. He's alive. Okay. Hill. Hill. Alive. Old Helm. Old Old oh, Old Helm's a good one that could just be killed off that to make us cry. I think he's, think he's gonna die. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh my I can't God. believe I didn't he say might. Old Helm. Because he we've might. seen the we've seen the trajectory of like when characters really he's don't gonna have a purpose. And, he's going to yep. save Elfwin. He's going to take the but bullet then, yeah. for Elfwin. That's what I'm saying. No. That's what I'm saying. When no. characters have run their course on the show and they're kind of in this limbo of like their journey's been come to a close and they're just limbo of what's next. They die. It's yeah. death. And Old Helm, I see in that category of just he already said he wasn't going to serve Edward kind of thing. You know, he doesn't have Ethel Fled anymore. I mean, sure, he's all for Mercia, but there's other people who can replace him being all for Mercia. Unfortunately, yeah. I think Aldhelm's getting the axe. Are we going to have a Lady Mormont and Elflin just get destroyed? Or is she uh, alive? Uh, she's, she's probably going to live. <laughs> yeah, I say she lives. Alive. I say and she how lives. about the actual main character, Ethel Stan? Alive? Alive. Alive. Yeah. 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 Plot, plot armor. Um... <laughs> But damn, I, baby, I think that's good like enough. Fin- yeah. yeah, that's yeah. good. Finnan and Sick Trick is going to be the, the one, man. I am praying one of them makes it out, but I don't know, bro. Oh, God. And now I wonder add all to that list, too, because Jesus, yeah. I'm scared for him. All right. One last thing, guys. We don't have to go too much into it. I just want it on the board. If the child exists, which at this point, I think we all agree that there does exist and is going to be the heir of Bevenberg. What is his name? And we need to bring up the fact that Brian right after the podcast was like, how the hell do we not say Ragnar? So that is a major issue for us. I can't believe we didn't say it, but so now we're going to talk about it. Final guesses on the board right now. Final guesses. Us. You don't even have to give too much of a reason. If you don't want to just throw it out there. 
Ragnar's a good one. B times. I'll shout that out. That's my second one, but I'm going to say Alfred. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Luke. Um, I think it's probably going to be Lior Fritch if he is a, a character, but I'll also say that there's a chance that Ethelstan ends up being the one that can be the heir to Bevenberg after Uhtred, and it would count for Edward if he goes that route. Okay. Okay. And you're saying that he could be the heir just because he's like a son to Uhtred? He's like a son to Uhtred, and Al and Edward would trust that he would he would have. I mean, kids I get and yeah, and I'm. Peace. I guess Uhtred as the heir can say my next heir will be Ethelstan, yeah. right? Yeah, why yeah. not? Okay. But I do think it's going to be Leo Fritch if the kid comes into play. Okay. E. Toms. Sticking with what you said after pod. Man. So I, w- I was about to say he's going to name him Uhtred, but I don't think he would do that to current Uhtred Jr. The same so we way also that know that there was another did. Uhtred, too. His first son was Uhtred. Oh, that's, oh, that's the baby that that's died. True, yeah. So he has like 15 Utrids. Ragnar Utridson. He's like freaking Magic John or uh, no, George Foreman. George yeah, Foreman George. has five kids. They're all named George Foreman. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Oh, shit, man. It's tough. I'm going to go with Ragnar. Okay. Ragnar Three Utridson. Jimmy, what do all you right. Say? All right. I'm going to I'm going to finish this off with a different guess. All four of us. I said it before. I want to go with Osbert. I think it's Dark Horse. So I'm just going to go with it. And my reasoning here is I don't think it's Alfred because Alfred was alive when the kid was born. I don't think it's um, who was the other one that we saw. Oh, I don't think it's Bianca for the same reason. Would Ragnar have been alive? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So Ragnar would have been alive technically, but it's, it's still likely, your, your yeah. father like. Yeah, it's you on know, the table. Ragnar the Fearless is still like a father you're naming him after. So I'm okay yeah. with Ragnar. Ragnar, honestly, is probably my second choice. I feel like Leo Fritsch and Ragnar are both more fan service than actual. Like, they have reasons, obviously. Like, Leo Fritsch was his boy, and Ragnar mm-hmm. is his brother and his dad. But I just think, even though we did make the argument, I was the one who freaking made it, that Osbert is more of like, you know, a slight to him and has always been a mockery. I do think it's kind of like a full circle thing, or maybe it's just another way of naming him after himself without mm-hmm. saying you're Uhtred. So it's like saying Uhtred Jr., except it's his actual name. And most people besides him at this point, and because Bianca's is dead, don't even know that he was Osbert. Yeah. So I feel like that yeah. would be OK. And it's not necessarily like announcing a mockery or anything. I, I like the full circle of it. I do think it's a dark horse, though. Um I think my second choice would be Ragnar, though. Okay. Hell yeah. All Fuck, right, guys. Man, that's two more episodes, dude. Next time we talk, we will have finished the show. I can't wow. believe that. This was such a fun show, guys. I'm so happy that you guys loved the pilot so that we can continue. I am so happy that the listeners loved listening and they asked us to do these season recaps because this has definitely been one of the most fun pods I've done. Easily. 100%. Yeah, Absolutely. This was just a show that came out of left field for me. Like, I just didn't expect to really love it as much as I did. Yeah. Recording it kind of has the same vibe as Spartacus used yep. to. You yeah. know, it's it's just that I just get this show, man. It's, it's, <laughs> and the Ryan's writing is season. just so it's it's a good show. You know, yeah. I watching a good show like this really I I just don't take it for granted. You know, the enjoyment that I get, the things that I'm feeling watching this show, it doesn't happen all the time. So I, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, even though Steora tries to tell us destiny is not all destiny is all. And I hope that destiny is not cruel 
We need some of our homies to stay alive in the next two episodes. I believe all four of us are going to be watching almost immediately, and we will be texting about it, and we will be recording ASAP so that we can get this one out because we're going to want to talk about it as soon as possible. But guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, check us out at BingetownTV.com. Also, if you like what you heard, you're watching us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. We appreciate every single new subscriber. We are going to start putting all of our new shows on YouTube. As long as it's a new show, it's coming on for the most part. If you're a listener on the podcast, any of your podcast apps, you can check us out on there. Five-star review, subscribe. We really, really appreciate every single subscriber. If you would like to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. All of our exclusive content, all of our exclusive interviews with the stars of some of your favorite shows are on that. It's uh, definitely going to be something that we add a lot to very soon. So, guys, jump on that. Patreon.com slash TV. All of our socials are at TV. especially now we are jumping on the Twitter because we love Twitter with the engagement and talking to everyone back and forth with theories. And we've had so many people hitting us up about our theories, about our videos, about our audio, just saying, you know, great job or like, think about this, think about that. And we talk about it on the pod. So we have a lot of fun with that. We will answer every single person. If you hit us up, we will answer. All right, guys, we are Benstown TV. Destiny is all. Destiny is cruel. And thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.